Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up, a top bank CEO warning a U.S. recession is coming in less than a year. He says a major stock index could fall again big time. Ben Bernanke wins the Nobel Prize for Economics almost 15 years after the Great Recession. What are the results of his 15-year-long experiment? And Elon Musk weighs in on tensions between China and Taiwan. We look at what would happen if Taiwan did indeed become part of China. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon is warning that the U.S. is likely going into recession. He told CNBC today that, quote, Europe is already in recession and they're likely to put the U.S. into some kind of recession six to nine months from now. Dimon also said the S&P 500 could fall by another easy 20% from the current levels. But if the next 20% slide is likely to be much more painful. Last week, Bank of America told clients that the U.S. economy will start losing tens of thousands of jobs a month beginning early next year. That's what the Fed wants, right? Down on Wall Street, stocks fell today. The Dow Jones lost 94 points, three-tenths of a percent. S&P 500 fell 27 points, eight-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq dropped 110 points, one percent today. And President Biden's plan to forgive student loan debt is facing a new lawsuit, this time from a small business group. The Job Creators Network Foundation sued the administration today, seeking to block the president's latest plan to forgive that student loan debt. The group argues that Biden's team violated procedures by failing to seek public input on the program. Its president says because of the mass size of the program, it'll affect everyone in the country and everyone should have a chance to share their views with the government. She says Biden's plan fails to address the root cause of rising student debt and that universities need to be held accountable instead. Congressional Budget Office estimates Biden's plan will cost taxpayers $400 billion over the next 30 years. And our special report today, Ben Bernanke, former chairman of the Federal Reserve, just won the Nobel Prize in Economics. Congratulations, Ben. Bernanke and two other economists received the award for the research, which helped governments steer through the 2008 financial crisis. Bernanke had thoroughly studied the Great Depression and bank runs in particular. That's when you could say everyone runs to the bank to take out their money. Nobel Committee says Bernanke showed how these bank runs were a key reason that the Great Depression was so long and deep. At the time when uh, Bernanke published this, um, this was a break with the current views. Of course, people had seen that banks failed, but it was more thought as a consequence of the crisis rather than a cause of the crisis. But now, the views of, of Bernanke have become the conventional wisdom and has received lots of, of solid empirical report uh, uh, during later times. Bernanke possibly directly applied this research to the real world himself in 2008. He helped bail out the banks to a tune of over a trillion dollars to prevent them from collapsing. And it's now almost 15 years since his unprecedented action, a 15-year-long experiment in the real world with real consequences for people's lives. 
So what are the results so far? Should Bernanke be lauded as a hero or not? We spoke with two established economists with differing views, the managing director of TJM Institutional Services, Jim Urio. He believes Bernanke did what he had to do, that he had no choice, because banks play a major role in the economy. Letting them fail is not an option. However, Urio says the government had a huge role in starting the crisis in the first place. It was trying to influence the economy instead of letting the free market operate freely. Let's let companies behave abnormally and take unusual risks. Yuri also says the bailouts have huge consequences. We can see those consequences everywhere in the world today. For example, a bailout culture. The government has since given bailout money to almost a thousand companies, according to ProPublica. The most staggering example was during the coronavirus pandemic. Also, though, if companies believe they're going to be bailed out, it may lead them to make riskier decisions to get greater profits. Another problem is distorted asset prices. Extra money in the economy may go into stocks, bonds, and housing, artificially inflating them. And this makes them seem they're worth more than they actually are. Urio dislikes the legacy of Bernanke's bailouts. Adam Smith suggests that we let the market decide the winners and losers. When the Fed starts stepping in, bailing out the banks um, and bailing out the car companies and bailing out the states, when the government decides who the winners and losers are, it kind of condemns us to this cycle of not being able to heal properly. And I think that's what's happened over the last, um, you know, 12, 14 years since the financial crisis has happened. Thanks, Jim. The president of economic research firm John Dunham and Associates has a similarly negative view of the situation. But unlike Urio, Dunham's criticism goes all the way to Bernanke himself. He agrees with the bailouts, but believes he went too far with the amount of money involved. When the financial system began to collapse, that both the administration and the Federal Reserve uh, really didn't know what was happening and they overreacted in a number of different ways that have led to long-term consequences. The concept of quantitative easing is basically modern monetary theory, which is printing huge amounts of money until such point in time as inflation occurs. And when inflation occurs, you're supposed to tax, but that's not going to happen. So you're going to just get more and more and more inflation. The Fed does target inflation, right? Once it is a certain level. The typical American has to contend with that inflation. On a lighter note, even though Dunham believes Bernanke went too far, he says he still deserves the Nobel Prize. Bernanke's research in the Great Depression, independent of his time as Fed chair, will have an important impact in the field of economic research. Moving on, PayPal stock down over 6% today, as despite doing a 180 on a controversial policy update that was over the weekend. Back in September, PayPal said that if any users send or post messages that promote, quote, misinformation, PayPal would deduct $2,500 from their account. And that would be solely at the discretion of PayPal. They would determine what is misinformation. But after outcry from users, PayPal has reversed course, told the Epoch Times in an email that the policy went out as an error and then it was posted incorrect information. That was incorrect information included. It was unbelievable the damage has already been done with social media users posting about closing their PayPal accounts. A former PayPal president even tweeted, a private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with. 
insanity. That was followed by a comment from the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, who agreed. PayPal shares are down nearly 57% year-to-date. And with us live to discuss is Matthew Peterson, co-founder of New Founding. Matthew, great to see you. Hey, great to be here, Paul. So, Matthew, should PayPal not be allowed to do this if they want to? It is a private company, after all. Look, I, th- I think that what's going to have to happen is that we're going to have to get our money out from under woke capital. And so I do think that every facet of this needs to be looked at. We do need to think about uh, how the law applies and how the law can apply and how we can be equal under the law. Uh, but I also think we just can't trust these corporations. And what you see with PayPal is we were all ready to leave. And, and what, whatever they say, it doesn't matter at this point. Uh, we know that we don't trust that company's leadership. Well, what do you think? You, why would PayPal do this? You think they're coming under some external uh, influence or you think they purely want the added control it would have given them? Well, it's become all the rage among large uh, financial structures to punish uh, based on the basis of a social credit system. And, you know, it might sound dystopian or, uh, you know, extreme to say, but there's a lot of smart people and a lot of NGOs and a lot of uh, large corporations and consulting firms who think this is the way of the future, uh, that you can influence society for the better if you start to punish people, uh, you know, in, in terms of their individual banking and, and financial options. They already take people's money and use it for politics that those people don't agree with uh, when it comes to investing in large 401ks, large funds are all moving in this direction. They don't care what you think already. So the next step is, uh, you know, how do we actually actually wield control uh, over your individual account? Well, I think it's a fascinating development from a, a cultural or political standpoint, because up until now, you could say conservatives or people on the right were, you know, leave businesses alone, the private businesses, government should not interfere at all. But I, I believe there is now uh, somewhat of a split on the right or a split among conservatives that um, they, they may not be willing to accept this type of quote unquote discrimination, even if it's done by a private company. Yeah, I think we are entering that territory. I think what allowed us to get here, by the way, is sort of the right saying, look, what corporations are always going to ultimately do what's good for America. And if freedom is good, you, you know, leave everyone alone, let a thousand flowers bloom. Makes sense in some ways. Uh, but what we're seeing now is, uh, you know, the political control being wielded by large corporations in collusion with the government and other large organizations and institutions in this country. And it's all moving in one direction and it's becoming increasingly tyrannical. So at this point, there's two things that need to be done. They need to be opposed with law as appropriate. We need equality under the law. But you, what we also need is an alternative ecosystem because they're not going to stop. We need, it, we need investors who are brave and see the moment. We need entrepreneurs to see the moment. And we have to build out from under woke capital with founders and investors who will not bow to its demands. So that's on the private side. But at the moment, we also see governments talking about and planning to implement central bank digital currencies. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the kind of additional control and powers that this would give governments to cut pe- people and users off like we saw PayPal threatening to, to do? Yeah, so this is all the rage. You can really see the policy planners salivating over the prospects of 
a digital currency which would allow them to completely control really in a, a, a all directions, right? Uh, it's 360 degrees around, not only your bank account, but also the currency, also the, the, the credits, right, that they're giving you. So you could see the government doing this to people just like PayPal, right? If your social credit score isn't high enough, uh, maybe they ding you here and they fine you for this and that. And this is already, I know it, sound, it could sound dystopian and you know, like a fantasy, but this is already what they're planning to do. And they're very happy about the idea of an electric, you know, a digital currency that uh, they control. And, you know, sadly, that goes against the, the crypto, uh, the crypto bros and those who are in that space who want this currency to be free. But governments see the opportunity to use it to take even more control. We at least see it playing out in China at the moment. Let, let's wait and see. Uh, Matthew, got about 30 seconds. We've got the midterms coming up in, what, like a month. Like, do you see this kind of trend of bigger government perhaps slowing down if Republicans do take back power somewhat? Uh, I think they can, sh they can throw a wrench into the machine, but there's Congress doesn't really legislate anymore uh, or pass budgets in this country. So really what they can do is, is slow things down. That's true. Uh, they can slow Biden down and they can shine a light on a lot of malfeasance. They can shine a light on a lot of the corruption. Um, but I wouldn't say that I think the red wave is necessary if this country is going to move forward in a positive direction, in my opinion. But it's not sufficient. It's, it's not going to solve uh, all our problems. What is the solution? Ultimately, we need a commercial cultural movement uh, that rises up and pushes the political parties to move in the right way. Also, we need new leaders, and this is a good thing about the midterms. We need new leaders to rise within the Republican Party who are bold enough to meet the demands of the moment. And I do think that there's some hope there. We'll see new and unlooked for leaders arise from this red wave that can help the party moving forward. Matthew Peterson, co-founder of New Founding. Appreciate it. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. And what is Elon Musk's solution to resolving tensions between Taiwan and China? It's a big issue. You hear President Biden talking about it all the time. Well, Musk tells the Financial Times that Taiwan could hand over control to China, at least in part. He said, quote, my recommendation would be to figure out a special administrative, zo administrative zone for Taiwan. They could have an arrangement that's more lenient than Hong Kong. We'll get there in a minute. So is the Chinese Communist Party influencing Musk? Is he being misled by Beijing? Because what Musk is suggesting is exactly what the CCP has been wanting for Taiwan for years. China's offered Taiwan a one country, two systems model of autonomy similar to what Hong Kong has. But this has been rejected by all mainstream political parties in Taiwan and it doesn't have public support. It's no surprise. China geopolitical analyst David Jiang says, looking no further than what happened to Hong Kong. China has not kept up one country, two systems, and uh, we've seen this in Hong Kong. Hong Kong was promised 50 years of freedom after it was returned to China, but uh, less than half of that, China already introduced the draconian national security law. Basically, the chief executive, so the person that, that's supposed to run Hong Kong, is now essentially appointed by people in Beijing by the president, Xi Jinping himself, to rule over Hong Kong. And so if the same thing were to happen to Taiwan, we can probably expect something to, likely to happen within even five to 10 years. 
Right now, Taiwan is ruled by a full-fledged democracy like that of the United States or another Western nation. It has its own constitution, military, and currency. The Taiwanese government existed before the Communist Party even came into power in 1949. The Communist Party has been saying that Taiwan is a part of China, but the Taiwanese people say that they are themselves a separate entity that's self-governed. So with Hong Kong as an example, why does Elon Musk suggest this? Has the CCP influenced him? Well, it should be pointed out that he does have a significant stake in China. The Tesla mega factory is in Shanghai. Over half of Tesla production in the world is happening there. Musk told the Financial Times that if a conflict were to happen, Tesla would be impacted. China is threatening a conflict, by the way. And this could be one reason why he made the suggestion. But there are other reasons as well. His almost naive understanding of the Communist Party, the Chinese Communist Party, because he hasn't seen the heavy hand of the, the regime yet. So he feels like there's still uh, certain areas of cooperations or certain aspects that they can work together with. But that's not something that people understand until they're really impacted and hit by the regime. On the Ukraine war, Musk proposed that Ukraine give Crimea to Russia, that the UN determine the fate of Russian-controlled territory, and that Ukraine stay neutral. Just as he got backlash on this, he's getting backlash in Taiwan, too. A senior lawmaker in Taiwan said Taiwan will not allow it to happen and that Musk shouldn't take this matter as a joke. Indeed, if Taiwan became a part of China, not only would it affect the island itself, would also have tremendous impact on the United States. I think semiconductors, big keyword this year. According to reports, U.S. tech firms like Apple and Google and Amazon rely on Taiwanese manufacturers produce up to 90% of their chips, 9 in 10 chips. It's not just about how much we import. Taiwanese chip makers like TSMC can also make more advanced semiconductors than we can here in the States. So if the Chinese Communist Party where to take control of Taiwan. Now you're looking at a situation where the supply chain for a semiconductor, essentially a high technology base for all things from the military to uh, satellite to aviation, all of these things that rely on chips uh, are now under the control of the CCP. So you'd be losing more than just money, you'd be losing technology advantages, and that's gonna affect not just the United States, but the vast majority of Western countries. Taiwan is not only important to the U.S. economically, it's also critical to the U.S. military. If Taiwan became part of China, then the Chinese Navy would potentially be able to freely roam the Pacific Ocean without detection. It would be able to launch submarines potentially carrying nuclear warheads directly to the continental United States. This is because Taiwan is at a strategically strategic position geographically. It's part of the first island chain. Here's David Jong explaining what that means. It's a line drawn from north to, from South Korea, down to Japan, down to Taiwan, and down to the Philippines, where you have these chokeholds that can prevent China's uh, military sh naval ships, uh, planes and things like that, aircraft carriers, from leaving, uh, but getting detected by radar and other uh, undersea detection devices. But if you don't have Taiwan, you essentially have a huge gap uh, of opening where China can let through their ships and their submarines without anybody really noticing that they are going into the Pacific Ocean. Jiang also says that China would also be able to control some trade routes in the South China Sea. 
That's because Taiwan is at the northern part of the region going into the Pacific Ocean. That means cargo container ships would eventually have to go there if they wanted to go up north to Japan, to South Korea, to China, or to Shanghai. So Beijing would have the ability to block those cargo ships. And trillions of dollars worth of trade goes through the South China Sea annually. Remember what China did with masks, etc. during the lockdowns? Didn't want people to get them. But maybe we're taking Musk's comments a little too seriously. He did tell the Financial Times that, quote, I play the fool on Twitter and often shoot myself in the foot and cause myself all sorts of trouble. I don't know, I find it vaguely therapeutic, Musk says. Moving on, but staying in China, China has imposed fresh lockdowns and travel restrictions after the number of reported daily COVID-19 cases tripled during a week-long holiday. China is one of the few places still resorting to draconian pandemic measures. Travel was down during an annual national holiday that began October 1st. Authorities discouraging people from leaving their cities and provinces. Many Chinese have been lining up for a free virus test several times a week. Sounds fun, right? Beijing and other cities require a negative test result within 72 hours to enter parks, office buildings, shops and other public places. Chinese Communist Party is holding its once-in-five-years Congress starting Sunday. Many in China hope the pandemic policy will ease after the meeting. And on to Europe. Austria and the European Union can't agree on what should be labeled as green energy investments. This is important. There's an energy crisis there. The dispute has gotten so bad that Austria has filed a legal complaint. Anthony Sean Marshall has more on that. Anti-nuclear Austria said on Friday it's following through on a pledge to file a legal challenge to the European Union's inclusion of natural gas and nuclear energy in a list of green investments. The problem is the European Union's rulebook defining which investments can be labeled climate-friendly and designed to guide investors toward green projects that will help deliver the bloc's emissions-cutting targets. I spoke with Communications Director for Power of the Future, Larry Behrens, about the subject. The solution has been there in front of them the whole time. Uh, natural gas, oil, coal, these fuels that are affordable and reliable are freely available in Europe if they would have planned. But instead, they planned down a road of failure, and that's what they're experiencing now. Luxembourg has already voiced its support for Austria, and others may follow. Austrian Environment Minister Lenore Giewessler told a news briefing without naming the countries. Of potential winners and losers, citizens stand to lose a lot, according to Barons. They have to explain to their citizens why they cast aside affordable energy that was always reliable for something that is intermittent and is really expensive. And so they're learning now, I think, that that was not the road to choose. And they're trying to U-turn in such a way at the EU is that hopefully it is in time to help their citizens uh, for this winter. But it's going to be a struggle. Austria said on Monday it was seeking to enlist other European Union countries to support its legal action against Brussels. Sean Marshall, NTD News. Not easy for the Europeans. And if you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, as always, email us, business at ntd.com. It's still to come this evening. The iPhone's new crash detection feature reportedly causing problems at theme parks, setting off false alarms for emergency workers. An electric automaker Rivian recalling thousands of vehicles over a loose piece. What should you do if you own one or their stock? With that and much more, coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. The iPhone 14's new crash detection feature is causing some problems for users who ride roller coasters. Apple's latest iPhone is reportedly experiencing its own accident on roller coasters by dialing 911. The feature set off false alarms for emergency personnel near Cincinnati's Kings Island Amusement Park. They've received at least six iPhone emergency calls since the new smartphone went on sale in September. Similar 911 calls have originated from passengers in a roller coaster at Six Flags Great America near Chicago. And the same crash detection technology is also featured on the Apple Watch 8. The fix is simple, though. Putting the iPhone 14 and the Apple Watch 8 on airplane mode before boarding a roller coaster. If you don't feel too nervous and forget. And trendy EV maker Rivian, the California-based electric vehicle company, is recalling nearly every single vehicle it's built. Sorry if you own the stock. According to the paperwork filed with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration that involves more than 12,000 vehicles, the fix requires tightening a loose fastener in the vehicle's front suspension. The recall involves all Rivian pickup trucks, vans, and SUVs. Customers who notice any unusual noises or vibrations from the front of their vehicles are advised to contact the Rivian dealer immediately. There have been no reported injuries because of the defect, and there'll be no cost for customers to repair it. That's the latest in the NTD business team and myself, Paul Graney. Follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there. We're always discussing interesting things. And if you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, as always, email us, business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.